everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, episode 107, Google Goodness Gone, recorded September 24th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Yes, Google has been known for pulling the plug on things that sometimes are its most popular things. Uh, and we've had a couple of this, and this is not all new news, but yeah, a lot of it happened during the summer, so we'll bring it to your attention since school has started back. But uh, we're going to talk about some things that are gone, and maybe some things they intend to replace, maybe not. And with me to do that, as always, is Mr. Sean Kybel. Hi, Sean. Hey, Mark. Great to be here, as usual. And uh, uh, we talked a little bit uh, off air uh, I'm, you know, but heart rate is up and I guess that's good when you're recording. You want to sound nice and live, right? You don't want to sound dead, but, uh, it's, uh, it's not for the reason I would hope for today. Uh, I, I don't know how to, how to put it eloquently. What, what I actually put in the show notes, but I had, uh, one of those, oh, darn moments. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> right. <laughs> So I guess I wanted I could start off with that because actually it even impacted uh, we are running a little bit late tonight and not that it's unusual for me to be late but <laughs> but uh, this this night I had a little bit of an extra reason for it uh, so you know I've I think over the past couple of weeks talked about you know my overloaded VM uh, server and uh, so this thing finally. You know, it, it's been kind of showing signs of being overloaded. And uh, over the last few work days, I lost the web interface. And if you're familiar with VMware, you know, you start up the web interface, you log into it, and you sort of get a nice little dashboard with a list of all your servers and, you know, if they're up and running and, and whatnot. And then you can easily click into them. And uh, so it's a really nice interface, uh, but it's kind of indispensable because... <laughs> When you're running that, that's kind of your go-to, right, to get into all these machines. And uh, just lost that. Couldn't get into it at all. And uh, so I was kind of freaking out about that, but everything seemed to be up and running okay. So I didn't really have any dire need to get into any of these machines. Everything was running fine. But it was kind of a perplexing problem. So I finally just figured, you know, this thing just, I need to reboot the whole thing. And... Uh, just given, you know, what we have on that machine, it's not something I could just do in the middle of the day. So I wait until the, uh, the end of the day and I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and, and do this. And, uh, so I go to reboot it and it just sat there for the longest time. It didn't appear to be doing anything. So now I'm really starting to kind of freak out because we've got a lot of critical systems on there and, uh, I'm just picturing like, you know, it was at the screen, uh, you know, it was a Linux uh, screen, I guess, that was just saying uh, something to the effect of in the process of shutting down. But it sat there for about 30, 35 minutes and did not appear to be doing anything. All the servers on there, I could access all of those systems and everything. So I really start freaking out now because I'm picturing that at some point in the middle of the night or something, maybe it's going to shut down and, you know, I'm not going to have anything back up in the morning when everybody comes back in. So I'm really starting to freak out. And uh, then I sent, I sent you a text, Mark, and said, you know, I'm rebooting this thing, but how long should it take? And, and you responded back, oh, about 30 minutes. <laughs> that was my, oh, gosh, moment. <laughs> because... <laughs> You know, it, it hadn't even finished shutting down yet, you know, and it didn't, it looked like it was almost like locked up or something. So I was really freaking out and, uh, uh, you know, all for naught really, because shortly thereafter, it finally did. I could see signs that it was actually shutting things down. And, um, and then, you know, that's kind of, you hold your breath to see if it's going to bring everything back up. Okay. Um, which eventually it did. It's, it took quite a long time. Uh, for it to get everything back up and running. It actually took a couple of hours, but um, but in the end, it all ended up working. So, uh, so that was my, that was my day. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, one of those things when you're, when you're working with VMs, it helps to keep, uh, keep in mind just exactly how much work is going on. 
I mean, if you had 20 servers and you went to each one and did a controlled shutdown and waited till they completely shut down and then moved on to the next one and and did a shutdown, that's going to take a while. And that's exactly what a VMware server does uh, when you tell it to shut down. It tries to shut down all of those hosts and it patiently waits if any of them uh, refuses until eventually it'll just say, all right, I'm done with you. And it'll right. it'll finally just kick them off, but it takes a long time because it, it's it's very patient and it's uh, you know the VMware team is very um, focused on not losing anything, not messing anything up. So yeah, I've been I've been where you were. I've had that experience of this is going to take forever, right? And then and then you start to wonder if it's going to happen at all. You know, are you is it just going to die and you're going to have this dead machine and. Uh, you know, nobody's going to be able to, you know, I work at a school, so nobody's going to be able to put in attendance and nobody's going to be able to access email. And, uh, you know, you st- all that worst scenario stuff starts running through your mind. And um, I'm probably worse about that than others. You know, I start to freak out about stuff like that. And uh, uh, but it all went well. So all is well again. Uh, I was able to get back into my interface and all my, sur- you know, all my VMs seem to be running and chugging along just fine now. So. I survived. I survived the day. I should have known better than try something like that on a Monday, though. <laughs> yes, yes. Right? I mean, just... The curse the of the Monday. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I kind of had to, though. I have some training. Uh, we are implementing a, a, a software kind of suite called Edgeforia. If you work in education, you've probably heard of Edgeforia. And I have a trainer coming in tomorrow. But that's all on up. iPads, right? Uh, well, they do have an iPad app. So, Which is and, the only freaking reason you're using it, let's be honest. Well, I, I can tell you one thing. I certainly got the hard line on why every principal needed an iPad, um, which now every principal has an iPad. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and that's fine. You know, I mean, I, I do know from previous experience at my other school district that um, the principals did use the heck out of the iPad app uh, in Edgeforia. So, uh so long as they're actually going to use it, then, you know, whatever, that's fine. Um, I had one of those situations uh, last year, I think it was, uh, had a power failure that was out for a long time. It was a major storm, uh, powers off for several hours, long enough for all my batteries to die overnight, naturally. So I get there mm-hmm. in the morning, uh, and power uh, has been restored, but everything was just sort of patiently waiting. So I started turning everything on getting up and you know and by the time all the system check discs ran and all that sort of stuff it was about two and a half hours and finally it was like okay i think we're just about ready to go everything seems to be good now power goes out again of course the batteries hadn't had enough time to charge and they all just went and so the whole thing started over again wow yeah and then everybody's just like nobody has any clue that that how that impacts you you know (laughs) everything's not working and they start, you know, everybody's freaking out at you. You're like, hey, you know, act of God. Right. <laughs> Got to give me a freebie on this one. So. Yeah, I actually had a situation one time where there uh, there was a, a blown transformer. Um, like one leg of the three was out. So uh, the system, electricity works in weird ways. It flows like water and it'll, it'll, it'll go uh, away one way. And then when that gets too busy, it'll go another way. And so this, this transformer was like periodically lighting up different parts of the building, but it didn't have enough juice to do all of them. Uh, and so uh, this, like the, the lights in the hallway would come on for a little while and they'd run, but then all the computers would be off and then the computers would come up and then the lights in the hall. And so I actually had somebody ask me, you know, well, how come when the computer's on, you know, we, we can't get to the internet or whatever it was. And I was like, um, cause this is a whole system and it all has to work or none right. of it works. And right now, I just have everything literally unplugged because you have no idea how dangerous this floating current is for electronics. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, then I, that's what I was picturing. And, of course, me being the new guy, my great fear is that, you know, if I have one of those moments that can just hit anybody in our situation, you know, I mean, we're we're operating on a shoestring budget. So, you know, we don't have the a $100,000 or, you know, $25,000 generator sitting outside to keep us, you know, uh, online and all of this. But 
I keep picturing that everybody's just going to chalk it up to Sean doesn't know what the heck he's doing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, and uh, they would be right most of the time. Uh, well, yeah, you know, a lot of times that's, you know, or at the very least, like if something goes down, uh, I have no problem admitting. And I've, I actually told the staff this at the beginning of the year, you know, I said, um, you know, a problem that would have taken Mark, you know, an hour to resolve, it's going to take me two or three. You know, it just is until I get, you know, up to that same comfort level with with all the systems, you know, I'm going to be spending a lot a lot more time researching the problem than you would have. Right. And uh, that's just the nature of the beast. So uh, and luckily, you know, I've been very fortunate that things have actually been running pretty well. So, uh, you know, hopefully at this point they're sitting there more in their mind saying, yeah, he's actually not yeah. doing too bad. You know. <laughs> So in case you've been living under a rock and don't know, iPhone 5 has started shipping. Um, yes. Which, of course, means Samsung ads have started airing. Did you see that one on Sunday, Mark? I did, yes. Was that, that's one of the great all-time, uh, well, I guess if you're, a, if you're guys like us, that's one of the great all-time ads, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's the one where... Uh, the guy's waiting in line to save a, a spot for his mom, and the, right. you know that's the message. This is iPhone is now your mom's phone. You know, if right. you if you want to be cool, you need a Samsung phone. But yeah, you know, if you're okay having the old person's phone, then stick with the iPhone. Right, and I thought that was masterful marketing because they're going after those hipsters, right? And that that's kind of the 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 thumb in the eye of the hipster saying eh, you're not necessarily as hip as you think you are <laughs> but uh i thought it was really well done because they really i didn't see any kind of non-truths in there um yeah i like it's 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 it, it makes me laugh it's the the iphone person's like this one's 4g and the, the samsung's like yeah we've had that for a long time now right and, uh, well this one has a big screen yeah this screen's bigger and, you know, the funny thing is I, that is reliving a number of moments in my life. You know, you, you have those conversations with iPhone people and especially when they're talking about the next one that's coming out. And, oh, it can do this. And well, I've been able to do that on my phone for two years now. <laughs> you know? Uh, so, you know, I've had those conversations and it's just funny to see. Um, but you know, what kills me is, uh, you know, the iOS 6, the way they've, uh, you know, moved so aggressively against Google and how much that's blown up in their face. <laughs> I saw a great clip. Um, it was uh, on a friend of mine posted on Facebook. It was at a church and it was handwritten like on a grease board, a, a whiteboard. Uh, and it said, for those who've recently updated to iOS 6, maps of the sanctuary are available over here. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the internet blew up. There was just so much out there. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was great. But then, you know, when you went and actually researched it and, you know, there were plenty of sites that were showing all the inaccuracies in maps. And uh, it was, it was comical. And it was kind of hard to believe that, you know, because honestly, Apple historically seems to generally do a good job at this. You know, when they release something, it's pretty darn polished. Um, and you know, I guess the only thing that was there was polished this time. I mean, the actual content wasn't really that good. Um, well, you know, they just discovered what, uh, other people have already known. Maps are hard. It, right. It's, it's a ton of data and it's uh, a lot of stuff going exactly right. And Google has put so much into it, uh, for, for, you know, this sort of backbone infrastructure that they're trying to create. They're not even getting any direct money from it, uh, you know the the guys like uh, Navtech, I think, is one of the big companies that sells maps. That's their old their right. whole only business. That's all they do, and that's because right. it's hard to do it well. Right. Well, and I remember. I don't know if uh, I'm sure you remember this far back, Mark, but uh, when I first started really using and relying on internet maps, uh, my tool was MapQuest. Right, Lycos. Right. And, and that was the, the tool. And I remember when Google first really started going into that and it was really the same situation. Right. You know, Google wasn't as good as MapQuest and, 
and it was kind of laughable some of the some of the mistakes they had in there. Um, so it's not like Google got to where they are now overnight. It took them a long time. And uh, but for that reason, it seems kind of laughable that App- Apple just thought they could just jump right out there and and uh, and compete, which uh, at this at this point they can't. I have no doubt that you know two years from now um, they're going to have a really a really great app. But um, it's just a quick aside. There's a, a road not far from where I live called Church Street, and whoever entered it in the database uh, transposed the U and the R, and so it's funny to hear the GPS voice try to say Crook Street. <laughs> Turn left on Crook Street. Because <laughs> it's C-R-U-C-H, and it just it blows its mind. doesn't know how to handle that. Right, right. It's like, that's not a word. <laughs> yeah. I don't know this word. This never came up in a CAPTCHA before. How do I deal with this? So, Sean, well, Mark, what is Clover? Yes, yeah, so Clover, yeah, I, I had to, I, and I promised I would, because when you threw this uh, tip of the week out there, it was it was so mind-blowing to me that I knew I was going to try it out. So uh, I promised I would report back on Clover, and I have had a chance to try it out. Wait, this uh, was one of my of you, tips? I don't even remember this, it. Yes, this was your tip, I believe it was uh, two, three weeks ago. And Clover was the app that basically gave you tabbed it gave you tabs oh, within yeah. just the Windows Explorer window. And uh, that just, I mean, just hearing that uh, blew my mind because, Mark, you know, I mean, at any given time, I can have between 50 and 100 tabs open across two or three different browsers. So I'm, I'm absolutely a tab junkie, and now I've just added to that. Um, so uh, I went ahead and installed Clover, and... It pretty much, I mean, it works flawlessly. I have had no problems with it. I haven't really, and I think it's just by nature of, you know, uh, using Windows Explorer Windows, I haven't really had the opportunity to really tax it. You know, I haven't had like 30 tabs open. Um, the most I've probably had to have is maybe four or five at any one time. But, I mean, works as advertised. It absolutely works perfectly. Um, it's really great for when you're doing things like uh, the, you know, the hidden C share on the on the network. Right. When you're wanting to transfer files back and forth between computers and things like that, um, it's just really convenient to have that tabbed browsing. I wondered uh, about that. Can you drag a file from one tab to another to transfer it? You know, honestly, I haven't tried that. Uh, I've just been doing, you know, the Control C, Control V. Um, but it's it's just it's nice now i have plenty of screen real estate so you know i don't know that it's absolutely necessary uh but for somebody who's just working on one screen or you know maybe a couple of screens but doesn't really have as much screen real estate i could see it being huge um because you just it, it saves you so much space um so I mean, if you haven't checked it out, if you remember hearing about it, of course, we got a link to it in our show notes. That's where I had to go back and, and actually get it. Um, go back and check that out, Clover. Um, and if you like tabs, you're going to love it. Uh, we recently had a bit of listener feedback, an email from a, a listener who uh, s- uh, said that we should do a roundup of our tips of the tools that we've used. Um, and, I, and I thought about that, you know, last uh november no uh end of december we did a top uh 10 utilities of 2011 you know the the kind of the kind of slacking off stuff that you do toward the end of the year um and and we've done sort of things like that before but he made an interesting point it was uh i think uh pc magazine he referenced some magazine he referenced that that uh, that, uh does an article uh or an issue every year of their best uh, tools and he said he always buys that one because it's a handy reference even if he's already has all the other ones right and all the other tools so um i think he's convinced me on that i think in the near future we're going to do just a just a, a rapid fire like 60 or 100 uh tools that we like and what we like about them just to have them all in one place like in one set of show notes and in, in one uh, thing, and you know, Clover would certainly be there, and Cat Mouse that we talked about would be there, and and Virtual right. Win, and these things that, um, you know, that that we just use every day and have been using it for so long, we've forgotten they're even tools. You know, there were like when I moved to my new job, my new workstation, 
there are there's functionality that I've been using so long I didn't remember that it did, didn't come in Windows. Uh, so I had to remember why I couldn't do that, and then we get the tool that allows me to do that. And I think probably with the tabbed Explorer windows, after you get used to that, you'll go to another computer that doesn't have that, and you're like, wait, what, how come I can't open the tab? What's what's wrong? I, it, yeah. Well, that's like uh, cat mouse. I mean, cat yeah. mouse is so simple, but man, when you use it and you go to any other computer that doesn't have it on it and you just immediately notice it and then it's immensely frustrating. Right. And, uh, I showed that to actually, I showed cat mouse to my assistant this past, uh, well, last week and he installed it and immediately kind of had that same thing. He's like, ah, where has this been? And then it's like, I cannot believe that windows does not build this in. Right. And I, I, I mean, I totally agree with that. I, I don't know how you do not build that in when you've been doing what, when, you know, what Microsoft's been doing for so long, you would think something so simple, they would just go ahead and build that in, um, or at least give you the option, right? Like turn it on, off or on. Right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I saw that feedback and I thought that was a good idea too. Um, and I mean, let's face it, what well, we've, we've got, you know, this many more shows to, uh, to add to that. So I think that'd be a good show. Yeah, and we, I, we may hold off until closer to the end of the year. You know, this is late uh, September, so uh, if we can put out six or seven more shows, and then it'll be November, December, and 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 fit into that year-end kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I look for that in the near future. Uh, and while before we get into the other stuff that Google has taken away, well, this is actually sort of what Google's taken away too. Um, <laughs> this week, ready or not, Drive is here. And and you'll remember we talked about this a long time ago, saying you need to warn your your people that it's coming. Right. Well, it's here. Uh, uh, Google Docs got turned off for everybody on the planet uh, in recent days, and is now Google Drive. Uh, and just to re- to recap, uh, what that means: all, none of your stuff is gone; it's just in a different place now. And uh, right. Google has totally changed their organization structure for documents. Um, in a way that I find very frustrating, uh, personally. I've been using it for months now, and I still don't like it. Uh, you, you, you have to rely on search a lot more. At least I find myself doing that. Like when, when we're I sharing do, yes. these, these show notes back and forth across each other, I used to be able to just look in a folder and know it was there. But that's not how it works anymore. Even if Sean has shared the folder with me and put the document in the folder, it may not show up in my folder. Uh, so... If you're, you know, if you're in a school or a business and and you use Google Docs and your staff are starting to complain about it, that's why it is, and it's a very real complaint. And uh, the simplest thing you can do to reassure them is just search, search on it. It search. You can search the title. You can search for the contents. Uh, so that's how I find all my docs now, and it makes it a lot harder to organize them. Uh, well, and and I got to jump in there, Mark, because w- the frustrating part for me has actually been that the search isn't necessarily working. Um, so if I know for like this show, I know I'm looking for episode 107, then what I do is I just go into my drive and I type 107. I know, I know the, the show I'm looking for. So I just type 107 in there and it doesn't show up. And, and that's, that's totally frustrating because it, it, the search has always been so reliable. And then, but I've figured out since that, since that's in that, uh, we have a tightwad tech folder. Um, if I click into folder shared with me and, and then do that search within basically that's that particular folder structure, then it brings it up. Right. So used to in the old documents format, uh, shared files and your files were seamless. You, you really literally couldn't tell the difference. You'd have to look at something to see who owned it, but now that's not the case anymore. And they say you can take something shared and move it to your drive and emulate that, but that's not how it works. Um, it still never quite shows up like it used to. And I, I keep hoping they're going to fix that, but you know, this has been a long time now. This has been months and now they've mainstreamed it and this problem is still out there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, it's frustrating. And I'm, I'm wondering, I mean, you know, it's a learning curve, but, uh, and once you kind of get it down, you realize, well, okay, nothing's missing. I just have to, kind of reteach myself how to how to find that stuff but it's n- certainly not more convenient right if you, you haven't know, heard it yet you're going to hear somebody come up to you and say all my google docs are gone because right. that's what they that's what it looks like when you first log in right yeah so um 
Yeah, it, sometimes there's things that are more convenient, and Gmail is very much a, a great example of that, where once you learn how to use it, then you find out how much more efficient it is. Um, but this change, not so much. Yeah, and it's and the I, same thing we, we grouse about Apple, is you know we're going to tell you how to do it, and we're going to be intellectual right. honest here and complain when Google does it. <laughs> we don't like it when you do it either, Google. Let us do it our way. Right, right. Or at least what Google typically was good about is they give you a couple different ways to do it. Right. Right. So however your mind worked, you could figure out how, you know, what the best way to do it for you was. But yeah, this very much seems like, uh, yeah, Apple-esque, uh, which is kind of ironic since those two companies don't seem to be getting along very well. <laughs> so this first thing uh, that we're going to talk about isn't really Google, but because it integrates so well with Google Docs at, at, at Sean's school, we just right. sort of considered it part of the Google suite. And that is Aviary. Aviary has gone bye-bye, um, or, or they've pivoted, rather. They've shifted their market into doing something else. And these free uh, tools uh, for audio editing and video editing, uh, not video, but uh, uh, image editing, that we loved and have talked about so many times on this show and, and used, they're, they're gone now. And I'm sad. Yeah, I am too. And, uh, you know, it was a little bit surprising. I think I vaguely remember uh, you saying something, Mark, at some point during the summer that maybe there was a possibility of aviary going away or something. I, I seem to remember around the time because I, I think I read that the announcement actually happened in July. Um, but I didn't really take note of it. And I'm I'm guessing that there's probably a lot of people who didn't. And then uh, uh, I got just one day, I got several of my teachers contacting me saying, uh, you know, where's Aviary? We can't, we can't get in there. Um, they used primarily the actual Aviary, which is the image editor. And then they also used uh, Mina. I think it was Mina, Mark, right. that does the audio stuff. Yes. Those were the two primary tools that were used in my district. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just on one particular day, I got, uh, several teachers saying, you know, we can't, we can't access it. And, um, I've always known it as something that when you go into your Google dashboard, you can sort of turn it on and off for people. So I assumed that there was a problem there and I said, well, let me check into it and see. And I, you know, I probably just need to turn it on. And, uh, that's when I found out that, yeah, sure enough, it's not there. And, uh, they point you to a blog entry. Um, at, at aviary, uh, it might be blog.aviary.com, something like that. And it has, uh, basically that message that they're no longer offering it in the, uh, you know, the Google apps integration. And, uh, it's fairly short blog entry. And it says, uh, you know, if you want to do this type of stuff, here's a few tools that will help you. And uh, it gives you a rundown there, and we can talk briefly about that. Um, but well, here's where this uh, this you know really frosts my cheese uh, is that if these tools had served the purpose of of Aviary, these guys would never have created Aviary. They saw a hole in the market and sought to exploit it. Uh, so they say for image editing, you use GIMP. Well, GIMP is a whole different animal than Aviary. It's more right. complex. It's not online. It's not uh, um, uh, as portable. I mean, you could get portable GIMP, but uh, it, there's a reason that they created the aviary suite, and that's because GIMP wasn't good enough to do the job. And, and Google, uh, you know, we talked about it, uh, I think, back at last summer, uh, about a year ago, we talked about Picnic. You know, Google took Picnic away, and really they just sort of migrated the stuff over to Google+. Plus. Uh, but there were these tools out there that people were using with for good reason. It's a it's a handy thing to be able to edit, uh, do simple edits to photos and and uh, images online. And now one by one, they're all going away. Right. Well, and and not only that, but you had the integration of sort of you know quasi Google app sharing elements. Right. Uh, which again in an educational environment was very nice so a student could pull up one of those tools it was simple enough that the the students could could use them uh you know on a fairly short learning curve 
and then they could easily share that project to their teacher. So it was a, I mean, it was just a great suite uh, for us. And now I'm just kind of, you know, and I guess, you know, if I've been paying attention uh, better, you know, amidst all the other chaos that was going on, um, I guess I could have given them some sort of heads up. Right. Um, uh, so I do feel bad about that, but, um, yeah, it just, I, I don't know how to say it other than it sucks that it went away. Yeah. And you might <laughs> say you guys are whining about a free product. The, the problem is aviary wasn't a freemium. It wasn't something that you could buy. Uh, there wasn't an option. They never offered an option for sale. Uh, and right. had they, I would have purchased the enterprise version uh, for the school district or for anybody, for my family. I would have, you know, for my own personal Google Docs account that I use for the family, I would have purchased it because I believed right. in, in it that much. It was that good. But right. it's it's frustrating when you, they won't even take your money. You know, I have my wallet out. I am throwing bills at you. Pick one of them up. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And the only other, the other thing that frustrates me is with these types of tools, there's always this push to education. So, you know, uh, you know, I'm in education. You're going to push this great thing and say, Hey, it's free. And, you know, it's great for education and we've integrated it with your Google apps and, you know, put it in there with your Google apps for education. And so they get your buy-in and, and then they can pull out so easily. And that, that can certainly be frustrating because you've, you've, gotten everybody on board teachers love using it students love using it and it seems like just when they're really hitting their stride and using these tools they get yanked out from under them yeah um and you know i don't know what the answer there is uh you know do you do you not implement these things i mean i don't think that's the answer um i think well, you know i think it's better to have had it and lost it than never right. to have had it yeah and sit back and whine after the fact right <laughs> Uh, that's one thing if if nothing else i think techs are good at whining we are and we complain when our users whine we call them right Right. (laughs) yeah we just whine at a different level and this next one you're going to talk about i didn't know about and it also makes me sad because this was this was my absolute unquestioned favorite powerpoint replacement tool yeah, and uh, Mark, did you get a chance to read over those emails? I I, I, I did. Pasted my, yes. Yeah, I I pasted my correspondence in the notes so Mark could read this. I didn't I I didn't recall you ever mentioning anything about this, so I thought maybe it was going to catch you off guard. To- total blindside. Yeah. So and not uh, to mention, as we get on a little further, they cashed the check for something that's now a free service. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, we uh, and I, I had to I had to this will play out in the story but i had to confirm that uh with them but uh what we're talking about is slide rocket and uh, if you don't know what slide rocket is or or well it still is uh slide rocket is a a powerpoint replacement like mark said it's a it's a presentation uh engine editor uh that integrates with google apps now for us in education uh, i don't think you have to think too long about it as to why it was so valuable uh, we could, uh, you know, students could easily get in there, make presentations, and very easily share them with their teacher. There was no large file, no large clunky files that you had to pass back and forth and things like that. Um, you didn't have to worry about whether you had Office installed on a computer. You could view them straight in the browser. Uh, so it was just another one of those great things. And Mark, like you said, it was so good that they uh, they offered an well enterprise slash education enterprise uh, offering that you were actually paying for. Yeah. And uh, so. And I don't pay for anything. Right. Right. But it was that good. And I remember that that time when when we looked at it and I think to get a certain. Do you remember what the functionality was? We had to pay a little bit extra. We had to pay the money to get a little extra functionality. Well, it was the integration. You could go to uh, SlideRocket.com and get a personal account that didn't integrate with anything and you could do whatever you want and you got a small amount of storage with it or you could uh for uh a certain amount per user uh you could get uh, full integration with the google apps uh dashboard and like 10 times as much storage uh, right. so and in our case we had uh, the amount of users we had uh was a thousand bucks a year for this tool and and that's a no-brainer i mean it's 
uh, it's really a high quality tool and well worth, you know, uh, at that time it worked out to be about uh, a buck and a half a student, uh, you know, of, of cost. And yeah, sure, I'm going to do that. That's, that's a no brainer. Um, and it was a great tool. And so we, you know, I remember just before, not just before, but not long before I left there, I, you know, paid that again. I, I, I re right. renewed that subscription. Yeah. And, uh, so then here, you know, here I come in and, uh, this was probably, oh, I don't know. It was a couple, two, three weeks ago. Um, again, I get a couple of my teachers kind of all on the same day saying my students can't access, uh, slide rocket anymore. And again, I'm thinking, well, it must be a problem somewhere on the, in the dashboard, you know, something's happened. And, uh, so I start looking there and then I really can't see anything wrong. It seems to be working fine. So then I ask them a little bit more information. And apparently what the students were getting was a pop-up that was basically asking them to put in their birth date to confirm their age. And so they would do that and they were, they were giving proper birth dates and everything. And, uh, it was denying them access. And, uh, this was only at my middle school. And so I checked into that further and basically it was denying access to anybody under the age of 13. So I thought, well, that's weird. Let me, let me follow up. So I actually end up opening a ticket with slide rocket and asking them, you know, uh, presenting that, you know, I'm having this problem, what's going on. And they forward me that they basically, they don't have really a new terms of service that's always been in their terms of service. Uh, they reference COPPA, uh, uh, federal laws uh, regarding uh, protecting minors online. And that basically children under the age of 13 are not allowed to, they're not allowed to have an account because basically Slide Rocket's not supposed to have any of their personal information. Yeah, it's the I, Children's uh, Online Privacy Protection Act. And it's the right. reason that uh, Google Plus uh, isn't in uh, the the uh, Google Apps dashboard. It's the reason you have to be 13 to have a Facebook account or a uh, heaven forbid MySpace account. Um, right. But there there are uh, stipulations in the 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 rule that says that uh, parents, on behalf of their minors, can give consent to an organization who can then be responsible. So basically, right. by signing our end user license or not not end user license, our um, uh, acceptable use acceptable policy. use policy at our school, the the student has is is being bound appropriately. Uh, but you know, and, and that covers the legal basis, and so that's why we did that, and that's why uh, some of our fifth graders, you know, we we have a a, a Facebook. We I'm not there anymore. You uh, you have like a, a school Facebook page and, and things like that, where uh, that you have those options. We right. can do that. Well, you know, in in the case of of avoiding the uh, lowest common denominator lawsuit, they've just said, "Nah, we're not going to do that anymore." Right. Yeah, and th that's where first, um, and it was it was. I, I will have to give them credit. You know, their their tech support was very diligent in getting back with me, and you know, this happened over the course of probably three days. This uh, banter back and forth. But, but they were responsive. And, you know, so first I said, you know, this is my problem. They shot back with, well, this is, this is our policy. And, uh, they basically had just, you know, enabled some, some form of, uh, you know, metting out their users and actually uh, proactively, uh, you know, trying to get everybody through this to, to verify ages. So then I responded back and said, well, this is something we're paying for. And, I'm not going to pay for it anymore if I have a decent amount of my users that can't use it. And, you know, by number, uh, I'm going to have to guess, what do you think, Mark? Probably two-thirds of the district yeah. is under 13. I think that's right. So, uh, now granted, it's not used as heavily at the elementary level, but still, it's a significant amount of my users that I'm paying for that now can't use this service. So, um, I was real quick to let them know that I'm not going to pay for the service anymore. So then they shoot back to me and say, well, you're on an education account and uh, you don't pay for it anyway. And at that point, you know, you had gone, you had left Mark. So I thought, well, maybe they changed something, you know, maybe, maybe Mark didn't tell me about that. And, and, you know, maybe we didn't pay for it this year. Maybe the change has already happened. So I go back, I check my accounting stuff and sure enough, uh, January of this year, 
we cut a check to them for a thousand bucks. So I followed back up with them and said, uh, well, we paid you a thousand dollars this year for the service. <laughs> and, uh, then they responded back and said, uh, yeah, we checked into that further. You're right, but we've already migrated your account to basically the level that we had before is now free. Okay. So, um, so I was like, well, thanks for letting me know, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And, um, and yeah, I mean, uh, so, I mean, in one way, yeah, it's a thousand dollars I won't be spending this year, but at the same time, it was just, it was real frustrating. It was a little frustrating just the way that it just happened. Um, you know, it would have been nice if they had given us some sort of notice on the matter. Um, and now I have, I've got a bunch of disappointed people. And they probably did give you lots of notice in a blog post on page 17 of their website. Right, right. Yeah, it's um yeah, I don't know. And you know, they point me to their to their uh you know, their user policy uh which is really unchanged. That's what their policy was from before. They just started enforcing it. Yeah. So, you know, I it was it was hard to argue with, but at the same time, you know, and my my first thought and the teachers even asked me that, you know, well, you know, they could lie about their age and just put in whatever. It's like, well, no, we don't, we don't want to be in the business of telling children to do that. Right. So, um, yeah, for us, you know, I, we're not paying anything for it anymore, so I'm going to keep it turned on in the dashboard. But unfortunately, uh, you know, it's only those kids in our district that are over 13 that are really going to be able to use it now. And if you'll remember back in episode 51, we had uh, the uh, a vice president of Slide Rocket on the show where he talked about what a wonderful tool it was for education and how we right. told him how we were using it at our schools and, and how we, you know, how I had paid for it. And he was like, yeah, we, we're big in the education market and we're really uh, excited about doing that. Yeah, this was always my policy, my fat butt. That was not always their policy. Yeah, and you know, Mark, you referenced that too, is that, you know, you can, you know, like we as a district can put a policy in place where basically parents sign off giving us the right to allow children access to tools like this. And so uh, in that law, it does, it does allow for that. So that was the frustrating thing to, uh, to kind of have it just flatly put that way. And I guess I understand it, you know, at some point, some, some parent, probably a Democrat from California is going to sue slide rocket because their kid was using slide rocket in school. And so we have a question in the chat room from our good friend, Jim. Now what, what do you do, Sean? What do you do to, to replace that tool? Well, uh, I mean, you really don't, I mean, there's nothing, I, I guess you could say, uh, Prezi would probably be the, the best answer to that. Yeah. Uh, I know people who, and I've seen plenty of Prezi's. I've, I've done a few myself. Um, Prezi is an interesting twist on how to, how to make a free presentation. Uh, um, you know, it's web-based. Uh, it does things much differently than just your boring, uh, uh, PowerPoint presentation. Uh, so I actually like if a Prezi is done right, I, I like it better than both PowerPoint or Slide Rocket. Uh, but you still, the sharing's not nearly as seamless, particularly if you're a Google Apps for Education School. Um, Prezi does have a sharing method, but um, it's just not as easy. I think it's like a lot of these things on, on the web where you create your Prezi and then it'll give you, like, it can give you a link to share and you can take that link and email it. And, um, so, you know, it does work. And yeah, see, uh, the thing about what I liked about SlideRocket is you could pack that sucker up and take it with you using a portable uh, slide rocket presentation tool uh, right. that worked uh, across platforms. And, and you know, you didn't have to be online to use it. As far as I know, Prezi doesn't have that option. Um, and you could always hope that Google uh, Docs gets better with their presentation tool. But, you know, that's been languishing for a long time now. Yeah, yeah. As long as that's been out there and as slow as the progress has been on it, it, it almost leads you to believe that they're really hardly working on it at all. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's frustrating. Uh, if I had to point anybody anywhere, it would be Prezi. Um, I do like some of the things that you can do in Prezi that you can't do yeah. in Aviary or, um, or PowerPoint. 
Um, now, but, generally speaking, I am not a fan of the slideshow presentation, you know, right. and, and I, I think we need to get away from bullet points as much as possible. But the, there, you can't deny that having a visual audio component to your presentation is beneficial. So that, you know, you, the, you need these tools and Prezi is designed to be, uh, you know, all glitz, uh, no substance. Uh, that that's my take on it. I'm sure I'll hear from the Prezi people uh, about how it's it's not that's not true, but that's my impression of it. You know, I've seen lots of dizzying Prezi uh, uh, presentations that made me wish I had Dramamine before I went into the room. Right, and that's what I was going to say. Is the one drawback of Prezi is uh, you, the person that makes it really ha- you have to do it right. And uh, it's just one of those things that it has so many bells and whistles, like it's got all the pretty. And so for these people who would have flashing banners all over their their website, (laughs) it's just it's a very fertile playground. Punch the monkey. Right. So, you know, when you see these people hop into Prezi and make a presentation, they generally end up ruining it with all the little animations and stuff. Uh, When it's done right, Prezi can be very effective. But more often than not it's it's done wrong so sometimes people need a little more constraint uh when it comes to stuff like that that's a big drawback in my opinion of powerpoint um powerpoint has just too many things that you can do and we've all seen them those presentations where you know everything's flying in and animated and everything else and it just uh, it detracts from the presentation more than anything uh that was one of the beauties of slide rocket is slide rocket was fairly fairly simple but you right. can make a very effective presentation very easily. And in case you're wondering, Prezi is P-R-E-Z-I dot com. And it's a, it's a free tool. I think there are some, there's a freemium model. I think you can buy a subscription that gives you more bells and whistles. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's the most Slide Rocket-ish, I suppose. But Slide Rocket had uh, ancillary abilities, like the ability to record audio directly from your computer. Um, that, right. you know, that... I haven't seen anybody else be able to do as effectively uh, the ability to uh, do a creative commons image search right from the interface and say, I want to, I want a free picture about dogs and it will go out and give you a list of things and you can board, import it right into your uh, presentation. I mean, uh, slide rocket stands above the others in a lot of ways and I'm glad it's still out there. Uh, but you know, it's disappointing that you have to be, you know, a high schooler to use it. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, so that's, I mean, you know, if you ask, what are we going to do? Well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep it on because there's no reason to turn it off for everybody. Um, but, you know, I had to turn around to, to some of my middle school teachers and just tell them, yeah, I mean, it's gone. And, you know, that, that's, that's my answer. Um, and then, yeah, I can, I can point them in the direction of some of these tools, but it's, it was really disheartening because some of these teachers were really heavy into the Google goodness and they were, um, you know, they were printing a lot less, you know, right. <laughs> they, uh, they were really into Google Docs and the sharing and, and slide rocket sharing. And, you know, it was just awesome to watch them work. And, uh, this was a very valuable tool that's now been taken away from them. Yeah, if I, if I were still in your position, Sean, I'd be pushing for a two hundred dollar refund because they didn't fulfill the full year that I paid for. Yeah, that's kind of, uh, and that was where I'm. I was thinking my next step is uh, I want to go back and find out the exact date that they did that because I have a feeling it's closer to half the year. Um, I'm gonna bet that it was uh, sometime around August. So. Uh, yeah, I, uh, 300, maybe, I don't know, yeah. a third, I should be getting refunded, at least in my opinion. Um, yeah, maybe I'll report back on that. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to change your ser- terms of service. It's another to discontinue a service that you charged for, or yeah, I, realistically, Sean, the way you should do it is we did that based on numbers, right? You, you, you right. had it there based on the number of people who could use it. Well, they cut the number of people who could use it by two thirds. So they should give you a two thirds refund. Right. Yeah. And I mean, literally I could make the argument that, well, okay, that's your policy. That's been your policy for the two years that you charged us. Um, so you overcharged me for two years, 
you know, now I can see, I can play this out in my head already. Well, you never really told us, you know, how many of those were eligible. We assume those were all eligible, <laughs> yeah. right? Just playing devil's advocate. I bet that's what they fire back with. Uh, you knew, you know, you had a chance to review our policy and you said 600 users. We assumed you meant 600 over 13. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I, I'm going to take a stab at it and that's what I'm going to do because it won't be worth multiple, many hours of follow through um, just based off of, you know, what the district pays me. Or what do you think, Mark? You think I should just be like the the bloodhound no i think it's it's worth a try but nah i mean it's just not it's not worth you know at uh, at your daily rate if you spend a day on it you've lost money right and that's that's the way i usually view these things too so you know what i'll probably do is fire off an email and i'm sure i'll get a response similar to what i said and that's probably where where it will end so all right. Well, uh, that pretty much wraps us up for for this week, right? Yeah. Don't you dare say the words. We're not done. I'm yet. not. I'm not. Yeah. Oh, and you uh, this this tip of the week this week. I know. I want I this. I you can't cut us off. I need this. <laughs> All right. So um, I think I might have mentioned this last week that uh, we had downloaded the source code for Italc and we were kind of researching how to get Italc to do Control Alt Delete, right? Yep, and I can't really claim. I, I can't claim this one as solely ours because we did a lot of uh, you know trolling forums and stuff like that to see if anybody else had figured out something, and uh, we found a couple of forum posts that uh, basically referenced that you could go into Italc, remote into a computer in Italc, bring up the on-screen keyboard in Windows Seven. And because, you know, in Windows 7, when you're at that login screen at the lower left, it has the accessibility controls, that little right. button in the lower left. That you could pull up the on screen keyboard and you could hit Control Alt on your keyboard and then delete. And you had to do that twice. And the second time it would it would bring up the login for you. So we tried that and uh, and, and it didn't work. So then we researched it a little bit more and we found out that there's a, a service called SAS in Windows. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess this is, this is really where Windows uh, made that big effort to, to stop remote control delete. But there is a registry hack for that and you can uh, basically re-enable it. So we tried that and then we tried the little double control alt delete trick and, and that still didn't work. So then, and Mark, I know you'll remember this, uh, in the XML file, the configuration file for Italc, uh, it has a couple of fields. You can put in the host name and, uh, and, and that helps you to organize uh, the computers. But there's also a MAC address field, right? Right. And we've never filled that in, but it was empty. So we got to thinking, uh, you know, just that, you know, this is going across the network. Um, I know that some of the power, uh, what was it, Wake on LAN, I think, that right. we always suspected if we just put the MAC address in there, it would work. So we tested that. And so we did the registry hack and the MAC address. We filled in the MAC address. And lo and behold, the double control delete worked. So, so that's then, simple. All you got to do is track down the MAC address of every machine on your network, hack it into an XML file, run a registry at it, and then double, uh, then right. pull up an on-screen keyboard and then do the same keystroke twice, and then it works. Right. It's, it's simple. It couldn't have been easier. <laughs> right. Well, for us, for one, it was a little bit, we were a little happy to just get that working because right. then we knew that we could code it. Um, that, you know, there's there's now we have we have the foundation for a hack that we might be able to actually put into code and, you know, attach that to a button or maybe a right click menu, uh, item or something. Um, so from a programmer standpoint, we were just glad to finally figure something out, anything that worked. Um, so, you know, that's going to be further down the road. I imagine that might take us six or nine months to actually get working, but, uh, but in the end, yes, that that fix is there. I'm sure some people will say, well, well, of course, but, you know, we did go in and put all our MAC addresses in, you know, 
Uh, we're very a very small staff with a lot of computers, so we never in the past really had time to do that. And uh, we're just going to start working on that um, is the best way I can say it. I mean, there are ways I can go into uh, my DHCP server right. and, and pull a list of MAC addresses uh, resolve the host names and you know so it's, it is something that's doable it's a little time consuming but um, I have a student worker uh, who is actually uh, fancies himself as a hacker uh, he is fairly adept at doing things so this is certainly something that he he can do um, we can just give the XML files to him and have him uh, match up MAC addresses so so it, it's there yeah because it, it is very frustrating to be supporting somebody reset their computer and have to call them and say, can you hit control alt delete for me, please? All right. Right. Thanks. Yeah. So I, I wanted to put it out there because it's, yeah, it's not something that you're just going to, you know, flip a, flip a switch or, you know, check a box or anything. It's going to work. But you know, if, if you're using italic and this is like it was for us, a real big thorn in your side, um, there is a way to pull it off. So there you go. Cool. That is a, uh, that's a, uh, a potential, tip of the week it's not quite fully baked yet right but it's going to be cool well and i can tell you you know look forward to this it, it, like i said it may be a year from now who knows but at some point um you know maybe i'll be reporting on the show that hey we've come up with a uh, an add-on or maybe a, a a an edited version of italc that actually has that functionality built in so we are working on it cool yeah, and it's, uh, that's the nice thing about open source is you, you have that option. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, we've already gone in and we've figured out where uh, with this particular one, you'd want it to primarily be in the right-click menu. So you highlight a specific machine, right-click on it, and that gives you a menu uh, of items that you can do specific to that machine. So we've already located where the code is for that and where we'd want to put our item and uh, so then it'll be doing that and uh, coming up with the actual code that's going to uh, accomplish what we want to accomplish. The trick is going to be, it, it really is a, you're going to have to insert code into the XML. Uh, and you're going to run so into issues there. That's, that, that's going to be the hard part. Yes, it could, because since it uses an XML uh, data scheme, uh, that's going to be kind of a tough part. It's going to have to actually scan for that information and then somehow add that into the XML file. On well, yeah, I don't want to get too geeky, but you're going to run into the to Windows Data Ex Execution Prevention, DEP, uh, with that. It's a whole subset of the OS designed to not let you execute stuff in data. Uh, right. So that, I mean, and there's a reason it hasn't been done. It's hard. Uh, the guys right. at Ultra VNC sort of figured it out, kind of. Um, right. But, the, you know, the, the days uh, Microsoft wanted it to be hard. They consider that a security flaw. Um, well, and, and, you know, we were just talking today about that. We're like, well, you know, log me in does it, but everything that, that actually does it cleanly has a client side to it. Right. And I think it's really what's happening is on the client side. So that's what we're looking at now is, is that something that maybe we need to look at putting into the ITAL client itself. Right. Um, so... You know, we're just doing our research now. We're just getting started on on really truly reverse engineering. Uh, you know that whole process. So, um, so we'll see. But you know, I'll report on it over time as we you know have major uh, kind of ahas. So over time, I'll report on our progress and let people know. You know, if we're getting any closer to that. And if you're a coder out there and you're listening to the two of us babble and think those guys have no idea what they're talking about. The best way for you to communicate that is to go to elementop.com, use the Contact Us button, or hop into the forums and leave a forum post telling us how stupid we are. Uh, or you can leave us a voicemail at 559-IMOP, or right there on our website, click the uh, Leave Us a Voicemail button. Uh, enter your name optional, your phone number. That's not optional, because Google's going to call you and they can't do it without a phone number. Uh, and, uh, and you can leave us a voicemail, and we'll play it on the air. Or if you'd like to be like John... See, I looked up his name while you were talking. The listener who <laughs> who made the show suggestion about the uh, uh, tips uh, of the uh, the tip collection, you can do that um, as well. Because you're not as cool as John is until you've left us some feedback. And well, you know, and here here shortly you'll be hearing a show that, yeah, 
he he prompted so uh so good for him and i'm glad because we can always use that kind of stuff absolutely so we we appreciate your uh a we appreciate you listening b we appreciate it more when you take the time out of your day to uh comment back and let us know and see we like it even better when you give us ideas because we're we're 107 now um that means that between the two of us we've had to come up with 50 eight and a half. 50 whatever yeah 53 and a half different <laughs> my my math went woo uh different <laughs> topics and we're 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 not very good at it anymore so uh also some listeners spotlights it's been a long time since we did one of those right so you're somebody, right i haven't even thought about that somebody needs to step up out there and say ooh, ooh pick me and you can be uh, a listener spotlight so all those things you can do at elementop.com all right. Can I say it now, Mark? I guess. If you have it was to. A, it was a great show. All right. Having been uh, deemed a great show, there's nothing left to do but to say, this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off. <laughs>